On today's episode, we are going to be doing things a little differently. I'm actually going to have a coaching moment with y'all, and I'm also going to have a coaching moment that we pretty much never have with our clients because this is coaching that happens before you ever work with a health practitioner, and this is all about money. Yes, money, that thing that I honestly I found is more awkward to talk about than politics or sex um, or poop, I guess, because we talk a lot about poop in, in this, or at least at least when you talk about the gut, you have to talk about poop. And it's, it's the last thing people want to talk about. It is a conversation ender, and it is such an important part of our health, holistic health as human beings, because Everybody has to deal with money. Everybody spends money. Everybody makes money. Everybody needs money. And money can be a huge, wonderful addition to our lives. And it can also be a stressor. It at, it can be so many things for people at so many different times. And in this episode, we end up talking about how money can hold us back from getting help, especially something called money mindset. If you've never heard of money mindset, if you're immediately repelled and somewhat nauseated by the fact that I'm even talking about money, I would encourage you, hold on, just listen to the episode. We have some really amazing talking points and homework pieces, things that you can take home so that you can find some greater inner healing. And that is the best thing. And that's the main goal that we have on every single podcast episode here. So if you have started this podcast episode, I hope you are ready. It, I hope you find this to be really wonderful and warm and bring hope into your life today. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. So in today's episode, I want to talk about money. I just recorded episode 33, how to know when it's time to get help, plus how to choose a health practitioner. And uh, you you all listened to it last week, but as I was recording, I was really fired up about this conversation on money. We talk about how money is a big way that we find a practitioner, kind of like buying a car. Um, listen to the podcast episodes, so you get deeper into it, but I compared it to when you go to buy a car, before you even like get on the parking lot, you've kind of chosen a budget and you've chosen and you have like your key things you want from this car. 
Um, and maybe it's how long it'll last you or certain qualities of it. It's mileage. If it's, is it a hybrid? You have your main things and your main things inform your budget. Like a hybrid car will cost more than a non-hybrid. And then you, and then your budget informs your main things like, okay, I really don't want to pay more than this monthly payments for the car, or I want to pay it all up front. And this is how much I have. And that will inform maybe like, okay, I can't get the leather seats this time, but my main thing, my main, main thing is like I want it to have low mileage whatever it is um, you have your main 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 things you really boil it down to like if it's a difference in price I can't get this the main thing I want is blah Um, and it's the same in health and and then talking about money problems with like the fact that money is very like health and medical bills are very covered up. They're covered up by insurance. I mean, they're they're really exploited and and magnified by insurance. So even the things you get charged is like it's it look it's weird and it's it's not normal when when you look at it from an insurance standpoint. Let alone the fact that you know a lot of websites when you go to health practitioner websites, if it's not if there's no hourly rate like for I don't know acupuncture or massage, then it might be confusing using like how much will this cost overall how long will I be doing this what results can I expect um and and maybe you know money isn't even up front you're like how much does this you know coaching cost I don't know and so there's all these like barriers to to that and but at the heart of it what we are not dealing with is the fact that money is terrifying like we have this this money mindset and guys I I like couldn't even write down everything I was like I'm just going to talk about money and and things that I've gone through like when I first started becoming a when I started a business that was terrifying because um I had to go through this thing where for the first time ever, I wasn't I wasn't asking someone for money because like, hey, you bought a meal at my restaurant and I'm your server, please pay me me slash the, really the business $50. I'm, I was charging, um, I started off as a massage therapist and I charged hourly and it was like super scary to ask someone to give me money. Like that was just terrifying. Um, and, and, and I learned that there's something called money mindset our mindset around money. Are we afraid of it? Do we think it's scarce? Are we like, is there a scarcity mindset? And when you first come across money mindset and as people are developing it and, you know, as business coaches are talking to you about it, um, you are being asked questions like, what were some of your first experiences with money? Like some people's first memories with money is like getting a quarter every time they did their chores or getting, one of mine is like getting a a piggy bank that had three slots in it and three dividers and one slot was saving one was giving and one was spending and like our parents taught us to divide you know how much we got into those things so like 10% I learned how to do a 10% fraction <laughs> 10% to giving 10% to saving and the rest in spending and I was like okay, that was my first experiences some people's first experiences is like not having enough money and having to like you, like find money on the street or somehow get money so that they can pay for meals. Like everybody has a different money first memory with money. And that first memory really informs your, your emotions around money, your beliefs around money. Um, the second thing that money mindset people, when they're talking about money and remember again, we're talking about money and relationship to buying health. Um, and, and, and how, how kind of, 
complicated it gets and how we don't talk about it. So I'm talking about it because sometimes money is the last barrier to getting health and getting help and getting breakthrough. So the second question that we ask is, or that a lot of money mindset people when they're coaching you through this is, what did your parents say about money? And questions that, and things that um, I heard people say is like, you know, parents will talk about, oh, I need a coupon clip for that, or honey, we can't get that, that's too expensive. Um, that whole that's too expensive thing, when, when you really narrow in on that, a lot of people suggest saying, instead of saying to yourself, I can't get that, that's too expensive, you can either say, how can I learn to 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 be able to afford that? Or that's not something I value right now. And changing the narrative, because if I choose not to buy a pair of shoes, it might not be that I don't want the pair of shoes, or it might, and it might not even be that I can't afford it. Like I have money in my bank account. I could go buy a bunch of shoes, but compared to every dollar that I have has has a name on it and it has an intent. Um, and that's something that that other, you know, money financial educators will talk about. Dave Ramsey talks specifically about giving every dollar a name. And so there's no there's no question of like, where's that $10 going? Where's that $100 going? There's not just one big bank account, but you really say, here, I'm saving this much amount in your budget. You follow a certain budget and I'm not teaching about budgeting on here, but, but more or less, like I know how much I have to pay for my health and I don't feel like I'm stealing from my house's future or my my shoes future, my ability to buy shoes, or I don't know, my groceries future. I'm, I'm using money that has a name that's called health. And we're just not taught about how to put money into our health. If you want to hear more on that, you can check out our episode that's on like why it's, I think it's called something like why we have a hard time investing in our health or, or five reasons that it's hard to invest in our health. And you can check out the link for that episode in the show notes. It's a really great episode. It gets more into like the history of insurance and where insurance came from and um, what how, how health insurance differs from car insurance and homeowners insurance, things like that. Um, and that's really, really helpful to kind of dig into like where did my beliefs about my health and who should be paying for it come from. But ultimately, we can also look at what did my parents say about money? So, you know, did they say we can't afford that? Are they subtly saying to you, like, I, we don't value that? And maybe like, I remember wanting Lunchables as a kid. And my family would say, I'm pretty sure my mom said, like, we're not buying that. (laughs) Um, I don't know if she said we can't afford it. I had the understanding of like, it is more expensive than buying ham and sandwiches uh, or ham and bread opposed to like this really cool box it comes in and makes you feel cool and awesome. And so my parents are like, we are not buying that. But when you when you come to your health, like you want to know, like, did your parents say, did you hear your parents fight about money? Did you hear your parents um, overspending in money and then, and then having this backlash of, I never want to go on these paying, you know, spending rampages that I remember one of my parents going through. So what did your parents say about money and how is that influencing you? Are you following in their footsteps? Are you backlashing against what they did? Um, and how does that, how is that informing how you think about money now? And when you're trying to get results, like, are you always penny pinching and kind of tense about money? Um, one of the things that I know that my parents instilled in me and that that I've actually been developing that I, I've had to 
actually think about developing is generosity and money. And when I mean generosity and money, I don't know. I actually find it easier to give to others. This is just a personal thing, but I want you guys to be thinking about yourselves. Like, I find it easier to give to others than to give to myself. And I had this growth point, I remember, when I, I think I'd already started my business and I'm like a big saver. I just want to save everything. And I got, I think I challenged myself of like, I am going to buy something for myself. And it was probably 10 bucks or 15 bucks. But that was a big deal to me. That was like scary and it kind of felt selfish. Like that's other things that that you can have thoughts going on in your head of like spending money on myself is selfish. Spending is unwise. Spending is, means that you don't have control of your money. Spending means that um, other things that can go on is like in your family history, did you feel like you never had enough? Maybe spending feels like, well, what if I fall into a pit again and I need this money? I, I can't spend it. And so we we end up being feeling really asphyxiated by our, our money that we have. And when it comes to our health, here's the thing. And I've, I've kind of touched on this. We're going to go from these two questions we have, what was your first memory with money and what did your parents say about money to now health is not spending. You don't spend money on your health. I've actually said it myself. So you're like, no, you just said it, Allison. But really, health isn't spending. Health is investing. So when you use the word invest, you're talking about having a return on investment, as in you put money into something and it actually gives you something back that's valuable. And the most valuable things in our world are time, energy, and money. So maybe you put money into something and you you get an education, which now allows you to get a job, which now allows you to make more money, that's an investment. Or maybe you put money into stocks. Like if you if 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 you were like, well, I don't buy t- stocks, they're too expensive. I'm like, well, that's the point. Like they cost money, but the whole point is that you get money back. And so there's an intentionality when you buy stocks or when you buy your education. There's an intentionality of like how many stocks you buy at a time, same as like what school you choose to go to and how many loans you take out, and what's your plan? Like, does it look like this school or this education will give you a return on investment? And so when, you, when you're thinking about spending money on your health, it's, it's, it's not like buying a scarf um, or buying some, some item that doesn't give back to you. Like when you bought your car, it's worth that investment it not because necessarily your car actually gives you money back. They say that cars are a really bad way to spend money because it loses value the moment you drive it off the lot. But but your car gets you places. Your car enables you to have actually saves you time technically because you're not walking everywhere and biking everywhere. And and for the, I know I've had friends whose cars like broken down or have had periods of time where they don't have a car and they're they're it's it's they're stuck. They have all takes a lot more time to take a bus or to to bike to get to places. And so um, having a car, especially in the U.S and we'll we'll just stop the conversation there but just where things are far apart is is you need a car to save you time and so the th- funny thing is is that we don't remember that we need a body to just do something to do anything you need a body to hug your kids before they go to bed you need a body to go to work you need a body to drive the car that you bought you need a body to enjoy the vacation you're buying or saving up for you need a body and you don't just need any body like you can use 
the body you have right where it's at. But like ideally, and, and in a best case scenario, you have a body that has energy and alertness and focus and isn't bogged down by uh, pain or by mental fogginess or I've struggled with mood disorders. I struggled I'd say past tense with mood disorders most of my life. Um, and so we do things to try and offset that. And and we not just offset it, that's like offsetting's probably where counseling comes in. Not, not that counseling's bad, but counseling's covered by insurance. All these things that are like pharmaceutical surgeries, those keep us functioning, but they might not keep us at an optimal health. And that's part of, think of that's how insurance works. Like insurance for your car doesn't pay for oil and gas, it keeps your car, though, like maybe from having something happen so bad that you can't pay for it in the moment. And so money mindset is is preparing for the future wisely, like taking a course by Dave Ramsey, being financially literate, budgeting, um, but then it's also being okay with spending money on yourself. It's okay, it's, and it's okay and actually transforming your mindset of realizing, let's think differently. Um, in, the, in the previous podcast I recorded um, on how to choose a good, it was, you know, how to know when to find help and how to choose a good health practitioner. I had a chiropractor, um, the one who I ended up working with, who looked me in the face. I mean, he had everything I wanted. I really researched him out. He wasn't just some random guy, because the first guy I tried was definitely some random guy and uh, didn't work. And I knew I liked him. I knew that I was a little shocked by the number that he gave me for the treatment. And he looked at me and said, in the kindest way possible, what is your neck worth to you? How much is your neck worth? And I mean, the amount of pain I'd been in, the amount that it was just distracting me and slowing down my morning and making, I had to think about it all day and honestly kind of worried, you know, like the worry I'm putting into it. Um, I and, and then the long-term solution of like, gosh, I'm only, I was probably 24 then, I don't know, um, 24, 23. And, and I was like, I, I mean, I don't think this neck thing's going away. Um, and, and so do I want this until I'm 80? Do I want it to like, of course, get worse every year? And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this, this, my neck is worth way more to me than the number I saw on the page, which was somewhere in the 2000 to 3000 range. And I trusted him to get results and I got results. And the great news is because I found a good practitioner, I don't have to see him once a week or once a month or whatever for the rest of my life. I actually choose to see him about once a quarter. And I'm usually not even in pain when I go to see him because I do the exercises he gave me. I have aug uh, augmented and figured out other reasons why I get um, maybe neck pain or back pain, which for me has to do with my GI system. And actually for a lot of clients, your organs can cause spinal pain. Uh, so fun fact, that's why we do visceral manipulation and functional medicine at our clinic because we want to both be looking at you know, is your bloating and is there dysbiosis of your bacteria that's causing your low back pain as well as maybe a tight psoas? But why is your psoas tight? Oh, psoas can be tight when you have constipation or it can be tight when you are stressed all the time or it can be tight for a million reasons. And and some people get there. If you've never heard of your psoas, don't worry, it's a muscle. <laughs> but some people just get massage. And if they most massage therapists don't even bother with your psoas, if they do, 
and they keep staying tight every time they work on it, you have a deeper problem. Any problem in the body that keeps coming back after some type of intervention, like I don't care if it's an Epsom salt bath or a 20-day detox, if it keeps coming back, it, I mean, it could be something that you're doing, but if you're like, no, I actually live a pretty healthy life, which a lot of people I talk to, they say like, I'm already on a restricted diet. I already work out. I already do all these things. I meditate. I do yoga. I pray. I do all these things to be healthy. And then you're still having problems. You have something deeper going on, just like point blank true. And so my neck, I was an ex-gymnast. I knew how to stretch. I was a massage therapist. I knew muscles. I knew how to stretch and I couldn't fix it. And I was like, deeper problem. And I found this guy and I invested in my neck. Now my neck doesn't have problems a majority of the time. And if it does, I just do a little couple things and I know how to fix it because I got some health education that was pointed and it was specific to my body. It wasn't some blog I read because while there can be good information on blogs, it's not specific to your body. It's just not. And so sometimes, you know, reading blogs, while it gives you foundational information, is another way to avoid spending. At the end of the day, a great question to be asking yourself is, what type of relationship do I want to have with my money and with my body? And I would encourage you, write this down. And not just write it down, like sit down in a quiet place, maybe it's morning with your cup of coffee or your tea. Maybe it's evening after the kids have gone to bed. Maybe you go to a coffee shop. My husband loves coffee shops. Like that's his best thinking place. <laughs> and he and, 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 and write down, I want you to like close your eyes and think about what you want your body to feel like. What are what type of relationship do you want to have with it? Do you want to wake up and feel energy in the morning and just live and vivacious? I used to wonder if that was a possibility. Was I just wanting too much? And a good sign to me that I needed to expand my mind and needed to get help was like, I just thought there wasn't anything else I could do. But ideally, I like would actually wake up crying, um, especially when I was sickest. I would have dreams, actually, about what my body used to feel like. And um, I would always just want this thing. And I have it now. And it's this weird experience of feeling like I'm sometimes in an alternate universe or something like, how do I feel this good all the time? And and it's and even with the fact that I miscarried and even the fact that I, I don't know, I still experience pain, like I'm, I'm still human, but like the amount and the frequency of pain and the amount of energy I have on a day-to-day basis is very high for energy, very low for pain. Um, and what type of relationship do you ha- want to have with your money? Um, one of the things that I know that like when I sat down and thought about that question, I remember this like free feeling like like air rushing through like like a spring breeze almost like this gentle waft. I was like I don't need to be madly rich <laughs> to be to be happy. It doesn't need to be this like hurricane of money everywhere. Um but it was this gentle breeze of um and I've used this word already like generosity and a generosity again towards others and myself. Feelings of abundance like giving to others and giving to yourself tells yourself I have abundance, not having a scarcity mindset of like, what if I never have enough? And, 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 and when you're working with a scarcity mindset, 
you can journal about it. You can grieve and be like, oh my gosh, I have gone through maybe really scary financial crises that has brought me to this place of fearing I'm never going to have enough. That can fuel a scarcity mindset that even even when you're in a period of abundance, you're just always afraid. Like You're always anticipating it's, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. It's not going to be there. Um, but generosity says like, no, there's always enough. And there's enough that that I'm able to be wise and, and save for the future, have an emergency savings fund, all these things. But I'm also able to give to others and to myself when it's time. There's joy in it of like... I talked in the previous episode and my heart was really stirred of in in episode 33 about talking about when you find the ideal practitioner to work with this like ideal practitioner moment where you're like, please take my money and the joy that someone can have when you buy a car and you show your friends your new car and you're like, this isn't this car amazing? And you're not saying, yeah, this cheap sales guy just made me pay X amount of money. I can't believe it. The jerk. You're like, no, my car is amazing. And when you buy food, you're not like at the waiter like, well, I actually, I, I used to be a waiter. And occasionally I would get someone who's like, why is this this much? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, because the, the business said it was. Um, sometimes I would tell them like, oh, it's made with organic um, eggs that we get from some Amish folk and it's like really good for you. And I would go through all the pros and stuff, but but then they usually those people who would do that, they still looked extremely dissatisfied um, and kind of sneery when when they're like, why is this this much? Because it's high quality. Like usually if you're if you're buying from McDonald's, they're you know, it's not high quality as high quality as like an organic farmer's market and you expect the price to be lower. And so um, when you when you buy when you buy really good food, like you can get this joy, like this burger is amazing and the flavors are really complimentary and and when you've chosen in advance to be intentional about your spending like maybe you don't eat out that even all that often like my family we didn't eat out we only ate out when we drove to florida that was once a year and we drove because flying is expensive and we would only eat out because you just can't keep enough food for like two and a half days of travel with kids. And so uh, that was really special. But no, we didn't eat out a lot growing up. And so like, you don't have to eat out a lot. But when you do, you want it to be joyful. Like, I'm so excited to be going on a date with my husband, or I am so excited to be eating with my friends this lovely brunch that we don't normally get to do. And when you buy health, when you work with a health practitioner, you want to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to feel better. Even if, even if there's going to be a learning curve and all this stuff, like I'm so excited to be investing in myself. I feel that way. I actually, um, I, I have business coaches and uh, had several different ones that they have a certain amount of time and certain goals you're trying to hit. And I hit those goals and I work with those health coaches and they cost me money and we hit those goals. And then I usually will go around and I mean, I buy books and I read and I do all this stuff. And then eventually I know it's time for another health coach. I have a problem in my business. I want to grow in a certain area. I want guidance in something. And, and I'm usually have an idea of maybe who I want to work with because I I've been reading books and I've been um, just kind of following someone, like stalking them on on Instagram. And I find someone who resonates with me or someone who specializes in what I'm interested in, or I like their approach to how they do some part of business. Um, and then and then I and then I pay the money. And by the time I'm ready to pay the money, I'm like so excited. I'm 
I'm so ready to have a little bit of their time and a little bit of their wisdom and to see massive change in my business and grow. And I have paid massive amounts of money um, to for, in my education, and and I am picky. I am so picky when it comes to my education. And um, when I actually chose to do even, I knew for a long time that I wanted to do functional medicine training, and I considered a lot of different stuff. Um, and I, there was a lot of functional medicine health coaching, and I was like, just like health coaching, period, which basically is, here's some at least this is how I interpret it. So um, not to say you can't improve with a health coach, but what the reason I didn't go through a health coaching program, or at least a traditional one, is because I didn't want to just be telling people, here's some generally good health practices, because that did not get me better. That did not resonate with me. And what I knew I needed to get better was finding the root cause. And what you need to find root cause is good evaluation skills. I mean, that is worth the price of admission. <laughs> if someone can actually find my problem, that is everything. And because the solution usually becomes much simpler after that. And so I um, remember probably for about eight months, I was intermittently while doing my work in my business, doing craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation, I would intermittently read blogs and, and, and do Google searches, like what type of I, like functional health coaching and all this stuff. And then one day I was listening to a podcast and I don't remember it's, I listened, it was the one podcast episode that I listened from this podcast. And I don't even remember what it was. And the person who was talking was the man who developed functional diagnostic nutrition, which is the certification I have. And as he was talking, I had this moment where I'm sitting here. I actually remember telling my husband this. I was like, this man is like in my head. He thinks how I think um, uh, as far as how I would approach healing for somebody and how I think about the body and the systems of the body and how they all integrate and how the gut's tied to our skin and the gut's tied to our brain. And, and we can't just fix diet. You actually have to look deeper and do labs. And then he said, I developed, that he developed a way for uh, health practitioners to to run labs um, without having to be a doctor and it's like completely legal and all this stuff but usually running labs like is it's this huge hullabaloo it's very difficult to run labs and I remember thinking yes I want to be in your program you are you have what I want and I <laughs> then the pandemic hit a week later and my business shut down and I paid this man a lot of money and it wasn't the man it was the, his whole business like the whole very developed very awesome uh, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners are it is amazing the work that they do now that I do and and I I mean we literally hit a pandemic we literally went through the scariest thing that we could ever go through as a as a as a world not just a nation as a as a international experience that we've gone through in a very long time um and and I ended up at that point in time deciding I'm gonna pay someone lots of money and that was because it was the right thing and I did it so happily I just remember actually even getting this feeling that that I was being led to that God was leading me. I'm don't bring up faith a ton, but faith is a huge part of me. I was like, I believe that God has led me to this and brought me to it at the exact right moment. And when you work with a health practitioner, you want to have that experience of like, 
I have been led to this person and I and and I'm you might have waded through some some other people who weren't ideal or maybe if you went to someone else and didn't get the results you want like that happens but then you find that person and you're like wow I, I I like the way you think I like your philosophy I like your approach and and I like that you get results like that's a nice thing um but but it stops becoming about the money and it starts becoming what you can do with money and the value you can get. And, and the truth is, is your, your money can get you more things. It can multiply. That is our goal. Our goal is to multiply what we can do on this earth because of money. And so when you're a grandparent and you buy your grandchildren something with your money, you're multiplying your joy. Like what you bought for them, you're not buying, maybe you're not buying yourself an ice cream, but you're buying them an ice cream. And it's joyful because it's beautiful and it builds into their life and it brings them joy. And you're allowed to do that for yourself. And if you do have a if you do have a money mindset that like spending money on yourself is selfish, it will be hard to see that that way. Maybe you're only okay with buying something for someone else, but not for yourself. If that's the case, and um, I'm just rolling with this, if that's the case, if you're like I also I think I might have a scarce or like a like a mindset around money that it's selfish to spend it, especially on myself. What I would do is say a really good piece of homework is to um, actually think through your, you actually might be able to answer this really quickly. Is there something you've been wanting to buy that, um, and it could be, doesn't have to be expensive, that you have been telling yourself no. I remember um, actually buying certain types of groceries were felt luxurious for me for a while because I had a really small budget right out of college and actually for a couple of years out of college. And I remember... Um, I don't I'm trying to think if I can remember specific foods that I bought. I don't know. It might have been like raw honey or something that I would just get really excited about buying the fact that I'm like, oh, I bought raw honey. This is so exciting. Um, and that was a way that I, I grew my capacity to give to myself. And then as my as my budget was able to increase because of increase in income, um, then then I'm, I slowly grow with it where I'm and again, I'm not I'm not saying go spend all your money. It's a, it's a figure of self-love like you might know that that you're you're personally growing maybe in your growth journey with money you're at a point where you're learning how to not spend it that's okay but um but but realizing if if feeling like spending money is selfish one of your specific pieces of homework could be going and buying something that feels luxurious and it might be buying a cup of coffee at a coffee shop that you like i oh i forgot about this guys i used to um this is so funny. When I was growing my money mindset, and this is actually before owning a business, I just knew I had problems with money. <laughs> I remember going to coffee shops and like wanting to, I don't like coffee um, black. I really don't. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not cool enough. My husband does, but I'm not. And I remember wanting to buy coffee that's a latte and lattes are more expensive. And um, then I can't have dairies. So I can't have like cow milk. So then I have to buy a latte that has <laughs> that's like almond milk. And that's like an upcharge and like 50 cents is like kind of common, I think, for an upcharge for for 
non-dairy milk. And I was like, oh, I really felt that 50 cents. And then on top of that, sometimes I really didn't want coffee. I wanted maybe like a matcha tea latte. And then that cost even more. And then of course, there's a the question of how much liquid, like a six ounce, a 12 ounce, a 18 ounce. And, um, and then, and then things just get complicated from there because now my brain's like, well, what do I really want? And what I, what do I have a budget for? And, and I remember sometimes being like, well, if I get the cheaper thing that I could come back a second time and be able to get it twice. Um, and there was kind of this shifting point where I realized I was underspending most of the time in my budget and I was, and, and I actually probably could spend more and I was just kind of afraid and felt like it was wrong and bad. And I would challenge myself to be like, I would say, I would look at myself straight in the face and be like, what do you want? And I'll go, and I remember saying back to myself, I'd be like, I want a matcha tea latte that's 16 ounces. And it was so scary because it felt selfish. It felt like, like I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to want that. That was a problem I particularly struggled with. That was specific to me. And I was like, well, you should get that, that latte, like, like just enjoy it. And you don't have to get it every time. But then sometimes I would go back and I'm like, you know what? I love matcha tea lattes, but like I'm actually, I think I'll be really happy with just a, 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 a normal coffee latte that isn't that isn't as big, maybe. Um, and and I would mix and match it, and and that was that was that was the baby steps of my growth of specifically working into um, being willing to spend on myself and realize that's like fifty cents. That's a big change from like you know, the, the chiropractor looking at me about my neck and seeing a 2000 to 3000 range, you know, fee. Um, and like, that's a big leap and you don't just get there overnight. I mean, you could, um, but, but if you're, if you're like, well, Allison, I know for whatever reasons, maybe you're right out of college or whatever it is that you're just like, there's no, there's a snowflakes chance in hell that you're going to spend two to $3,000 on anything. Um, you could, could evaluate and see, you know, you know, we know that we want to have a a healthy relationship with money, both in saving and budgeting and planning and being intentional, but also honestly, intentionally buying, being intentional about like, this is okay to buy. So if, if you listen to this podcast, I really want you to walk away with some some practical things you can do. I'm going to reiterate things that I just shared about. One is um, you can I actually encourage you to journal this, write it down on your phone, on a piece of paper, um, if you have a journal. And the exercise is what was your first memory with money? Write it down. Think about it. Think about um, what it specifically was about. Maybe it was selling lemonade. Maybe it was not being able, I don't know, maybe it was a good, was it, but think about it, was it good? Was it bad? Was it neutral? Um, was it, what are your emotions about it now? Like maybe you need to grieve that first memory and, and, and realize like, and comfort yourself, like say like self, like I see you, you're bearing this thing and I see that in you. Um, and that can be really, really healing or celebrate it. Like I celebrate my piggy bank experience and, and I don't want to, like, like never spend. And I realized like spending was a part of that piggy bank experience for me. And that's okay. That's good. And then the second exercise, the second question you can journal is what did your parents say about money? And like, close your eyes and think back to things that you can remember them saying, maybe things at the grocery store, things that they would say to each other. Like if you could hear them, I can remember my parents talking a lot about money in front of us about like debt or like 
they were really big into like, don't get into debt. But, um, you know, they had accumulated student debt and all this stuff. And um, just learning a lot about thinking about what they shared. Were they stressed about money? Did they fight about money? Were they happy about money? Write down all the things you can think about that your parents said and and think of, are, are some of them good? Are some of them bad? Other things that you can actually do that I haven't talked about is read books. I really love the book called Overcoming Underearning. And while that is pointed at business people, um, it's a great book because the the woman is, re- it's, it's actually, anybody can read it who is has a career because she works, this woman who wrote it works with career women and business women. So either you own your business or you, you're an employee, but how to think about overcoming under earning. And she talks a lot about these things of like your first memory with money. What did your parents say about money? And she dives even deeper with more exercises that she's developed as a, I don't know what she considers herself, but like a financial coach. Um, and then lastly, you can write down um, and answer the question in your journal, what type of relationship do I want to have with my money? And really sit there, close your eyes. What do you hear? What do you see? What do you feel? And maybe it's important to you that you actually make more money. That would be, that's never a bad thing. But just be straight up like, oh, I actually do want to have a higher income and, and, and maybe focus on that and make that an intention and a goal. And that might be something worth getting a career coach for or a business coach or I, I don't know. Um, that is not what we specialize in here. But what but what type of relationship like and for me it wasn't about how much I was making but like the emotions around it that 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 lightness of the breeze that I had felt generosity and joy being two keywords and then the lastly what type of relationship do you want to have with your body um yeah for me I remember I I would actually have dreams like I said about like being able to eat certain foods or being able to eat with friends and and we all struggle with our our main things that like this is my main goal but that goal is that goal is achievable I guarantee it I work with clients all the time who they cry because they are so surprised that they are starting to achieve this goal that they've had for years um chronic pain problems dealing with um PMS problems and and acne problems and skin problems and headaches and migraines and and GI and bloating and constipation and food restrictions and all all the things um those those don't have to be there and lastly if you feel like your relationship with your money is more on the lines of you know I don't know how to budget or I'm not sure where all my money's going or I'm uncomfortable with money because I'm not sure I have complete control over it or where it's going and am I and do I don't know if I'm saving enough and all those questions um, check out Dave Ramsey his financial peace university book um, there's courses there's I mean the book is great the book is is foundational um, and and get started there. Oh, so that that was my coaching moment, guys. Um, money is not something we really talk about with our clients typically. Um, it it does influence people's decisions to work with us or work with other people. Um, or period, you know, to get help at all. And and coaching is some of what we do. It's it's helping people work through the barriers that that are holding them back from getting better. And so I hope that this was a helpful episode to you. Even if you've heard this all before, a reminder, an encouragement, you can get better um, there. You can have a really warm, awesome relationship with your money and your body. And uh, 
Thank you for joining this coaching moment. If you loved this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you get all of our upcoming episodes. And if this episode starts something into you, I encourage you take a screenshot and share it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist and I guess right now a financial <laughs> um, coach or an encourager, financial encourager, um, that somebody says, oh, I know someone who needs you. And if you thought of a friend or you want to share it on Instagram and just say this was a great episode. Um, We would so appreciate it. And you know, you get to encourage somebody else to grow as well. Uh, All other ways that you can support this podcast is by leaving a rating and review. If you if you like us at all, maybe even a little bit, it would mean so much if you would click the link in the show notes to the Apple iTunes excuse me, Apple iTunes and leave a rating and review. It helps other viewers and listeners like you to find this podcast and really have their lives changed. And lastly, if you want to connect with us further, you can follow us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with y'all, get lots of DMs, getting more and more every day and just hearing the questions you have and being informed about how we can help you in your journey on the podcast or in other ways. So it's drop by and say hi to us. And lastly, just a reminder that our, of our motto that miracles are immediate, but healing takes time.